This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. So have you ever heard the story of the, just the, the knuckleheads in a rowboat? Um, I used the word knuckleheads because I didn't want to use the, the other word that I initially heard it as. Um, so I went with knuckleheads in a rowboat, and I think of Matt because Matt's a rower, and he, you know, so I'm like, this guy would know what I'm talking about. So there's four guys in a, in a boat, and um, in, in a canoe really, and they're in the middle of a lake. And one of them says, hey, we got to get rowing to go somewhere. Like, we, we, we can't just sit here, we got to row. And they're like, yes, great idea, let's row. So the guy up front starts rowing. He, he sees shore, and he's like, boom, let's, let's go. He starts rowing to shore. But the guy in the back is thinking about the other side of the lake, and so he starts rowing in reverse. But then the second guy is like, man, I really want to go. There was this cove I saw up here on the right, and so he starts digging in to turn it right. But then the third guy really just wants to go further out into the lake, and so he starts digging in to go left. And where did they go? Nowhere, right? Nowhere, absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. And it's not that they weren't trying. They were all exerting energy. It's not that they didn't have a desire. They all had a desire to row and to go somewhere. It's just that they were all rowing towards different destinations. And so therefore, they were exerting all of this energy, all of this effort. If you've ever been in a situation like that, finding themselves rather frustrated with each other, but it's because none of, they, they weren't going to the same destination, right? They weren't heading to the same place. And, and Every, every leadership 101 class will tell you in an organization, in a, in a company, in a team, in a church, you've got to have a very clear and defined place that you're going. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a lot of individuals trying to go in different directions, and you're not actually going to go anywhere. You're just going to find yourself rather frustrated with each other, and, and, and then it's just going to fall apart. And so that's why every company will tell you you've got to know where you're going and be on the same page so that you can actually get to where you're heading. Does that make sense? Nobody wants to be in an organization like that. Nobody wants to be on a team with a bunch of individuals going in separate directions. And we don't want to be a part of a church like that either. That does not picture God well at all. And it does not move us to where we believe God wants us to go. And so tonight, we just want to talk for a little bit and talk about where are we going? Why are we here as a church? Like, why does this church exist? Why are we all here? Um, what is our purpose? So that we can all be on the same page. And, and if you're not a part of this church, you're just checking things out. If you're not a Christian, you're just checking things out. Like, hey, awesome. Glad you're here. But, but we're going to put our cards on the table at least, and so you'll know. Like, all right, this is what they're about, and this is where they're going. Um, and so at least we're all on the same page going, going forward. Um, but we just want to talk about that because we forget. And it's really easy to subtly drift and to start inserting, like, okay, I think this is it, and I think this is the purpose. And, and then, you know, step one is maybe not so far apart, but ten steps down the way, and you're completely going in opposite directions. And so it's really important just at times to come back and say, okay, what are we doing here? What is our purpose? And so that's what we want to do tonight. Why are we here as a church? To get where we're going, I want us to go to Philippians. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Philippians um, but also, uh, put, put a little mark in Acts chapter 16. So turn to Philippians, um, but also open up Acts chapter 16 and just kind of, kind of hold it there in between. So we're going to start in Philippians, but work our way backwards a little bit. So uh, the, 
The book of Philippians is probably one of my favorite books. So as a church, we started with one community group uh, in our old house on Avenue F, if you remember that place, the the greenhouse. Um, That's where we began. And and the first thing we went through was the book of Philippians, just kind of chapter by chapter. We met as a community group. We talked about it. We read. That's what we did uh, was the book of Philippians. I love how the book started. Uh, So Acts 16, actually, if you're there and you want to just see that, um, Paul and Silas, they, they come into the town of Philippi, and, and they go to, um, to where they believe on, a sun, on the Sabbath, where people will gather, and they share the gospel. And the first person in Philippi that trusts Christ is Lydia, a, 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 a business owner, a fashionista. Um, she is powerful. She's got clout in town. She's got money. She's well-to-do. And she trusts Jesus. And I love what it says of Lydia in verse 15 of Acts chapter 16. After she was baptized, well, let's go back to 14. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, her and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So they preached the gospel. Lydia trusts Christ. And I love her immediate obedience, right? The, the, the church of Philippi, the reason we have a book for Philippians, man, if Lydia wasn't there, I don't know what it started. But Lydia, she trusts Christ, and she immediately brings her family in and asks Paul and Silas and says, hey, let's do something here. Like, stay and teach us, and let's start something here. So they stay. The next person that trusts Christ in Acts 16 in Philippi is a teenage slave girl who is possessed by demons, and she's harassing Paul and Silas. And so I love it says that Paul became annoyed with her in verse 18 and cast the demon out. Like, that's just a funny concept to me. Like, he's so annoyed with her. He's like, demon, leave, go. And the demon leaves in the name of Jesus. This girl starts to follow them, and and she is the second person in Philippi that trusts Christ. So you've got Lydia, I mean, business, fashionista, powerful, wealthy, teenage slave girl. And then the next person, Paul and Silas, get thrown in jail um, for, for casting out the demon, and the jailer trusts Christ. So you've got a blue-collar jailer who trusts Christ, and I love what it says in him, for, about him in verse 31. He said, it said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all were in his household. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. I love just that it's not so much a, hey, this is only for me, but he goes and he brings his household in. He's like, hey, let's... T- hear about Jesus. And so in Philippi, you've got Lydia, teenage slave girl, um, blue-collar family, and that is how the church of Philippi starts. And and I love it because those are three different social classes that would never hang out with each other. Like, they're not sitting at a coffee shop hanging out together. They're not going and getting drinks and listening to live music. They are totally different classes and worlds, and yet they start a church. They do what we are doing, and I love the diversity of it because it's all united under the name of Jesus. Because when we align our lives to Jesus, all of our other identities and allegiances take, take a back seat. It doesn't matter if I have money and you don't. It doesn't matter my skin color. It doesn't matter, you know, what your story is or background. It doesn't matter if you're possessed with a demon 10 minutes ahead of time. What matters is that we all identify around Jesus, and that is the only way that a church will make it. A Christian church, that is, is if we unite around the name of Jesus and are willing to lay everything else beside, behind us in order to accomplish his purpose and follow his way. And that's what happened in Philippi. That's how the church began, and it is centered around Jesus. 
absolutely centered around Jesus. And so then Paul writes them a letter. 20 years after the church starts, he writes this letter from a prison cell. Paul, yet again in prison for speaking about Jesus, writes this letter to his friends. And he says at the end of verse 18, he says, yes, and I will rejoice. So Paul rejoices while in prison. Like there's a joy and a contentment found in Paul while in prison. And the reason he's able to rejoice is because he knows that the gospel is still moving forward. He, he knows that even in prison, regardless of his circumstances, he's able, he's able to tell the prison guards about Jesus. He's able to encourage others by his steadfastness. Paul was sold out on knowing Christ and making him known, and he knew that it didn't matter what his circumstances were. He could still do that, and that was his treasure, was to know Jesus and to make him known. Man, I thought about that today, and I wrote in my own journal, just like, what is my treasure? Like, what, is, what, what do I hold up ultimate? If I hold, hold up ultimate um, my career, then when it falls apart, because it very, might, very well might, then everything else falls apart too. If I hold up ultimate my family, well, if my family falls apart, which it could, who knows? We could, we could get in an accident. Who knows, right? Then if that's my treasure, well, then if that falls apart, then so does my life, right? If my, my finances are my treasure and that falls apart, so does my life, right? But if my treasure is knowing Jesus and making him known, it doesn't matter the circumstance. I can do that in any circumstance, and that can never be taken away from me. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4, that he's learned the secret of contentment. And that is that in Christ he can do all things. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. The secret of contentment, whether he has a lot or none, is Jesus. And so this book is centered around Jesus. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He holds up his whole list of gains, of, of, of assets, of treasures, and he had plenty. His career was going well. He was powerful. He had a family. He probably had resources. Like he had this list that most of us chase after, and he holds it up, and he says, when I compare that in the scale, the whole list, when I compare that in the scale to Christ, it's all a loss. Compared to knowing Christ, he says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The church of Philippi was centered around Christ, centered around Jesus. That's why Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He knew that if he was alive, it was for Jesus, that life was found in Jesus, nothing else compared, nothing else measured up, nothing else could satisfy his soul except knowing and making Jesus known. So what's your purpose? What is your treasure? What is our purpose as a church? What is our treasure? Why are we here? I believe if we were to ask Paul that question, like, hey man, what was your treasure? Why did you start this church in Philippi? He would say, life is found in Jesus alone, and we wanted to know him and to make him known. Period. That's it. That's why we started this church in Philippi was because we found this life in Jesus and we want to know him and to make him known to everybody. That was the purpose. But it wasn't just Paul or this church in Philippi. I love just the history of how things began, right? So if you're still in Acts 16, if you go backwards to Acts 13 a little bit, we see kind of where Paul got his beginning. 
Before Paul was ever the missionary church planner, um, writer of the Bible that we know him, he was a member of a local church in Antioch. He, he was a part of the teaching team at the church in Antioch. And it says in Acts 13 that Paul, along with others, were, were, were praying and worshiping, and the Holy Spirit told the church in Antioch to send Paul and Barnabas out. It says Saul in Acts 13. That was his name before God changed it to Paul. Um, it, it sent them out to plant churches. So before Paul planted this church in Philippi, he was at the church in Antioch, just a member of the local church, faithfully being a part of where God had him. And what I love about this church in Antioch, perhaps the most, um, one of the most influential churches in the history of Christianity. I mean, you send Paul out as a church planner. Come on. Like, that's impressive. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty solid. So this church in Antioch, I love how it began. So go, go back to Acts 11. Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, so Acts 8 is the first Christian martyr, Stephen. He's the first person killed for his faith in Jesus. The people didn't agree with him, and so they killed him for it. That happened in Acts chapter 8. That's what he's talking about. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So their whole message is Jesus. Everything centers around Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So that's how the church in Antioch begins, is that people are scattered because of this persecution, and they go and they come to the town of Antioch. Now here's what I love about this. One, they didn't leave their faith. I think so often we think that our faith is in this box, right? Like we, we worship God here and this is where we speak about the name of Jesus, but then once I step out and I go somewhere else and I go to a different place, like I leave my faith back there. I don't, I don't bring it with me. What I love about these guys is they, they are going, they're moving, they're picking a new city and they're just taking Jesus with them. Like they're just speaking of Jesus to the people that they meet. And I think so often for myself, and I would imagine for, for many of us, like we've got our very select times where we'll talk about Jesus. But then when I'm in my normal day life, like maybe at the gym or the grocery store or at the office or just, you know, on the lake with friends, like we don't necessarily pick up the name of Jesus there. But, but that's what they did. It's just a normal routine that they take the name of Jesus with them wherever they went. They don't leave their Christianity over here. And then over here, yeah, you don't really, you don't really blend the two. They just took it with them. And in that, the Lord brought many to trust Christ and a church was started, one of the most influential churches in the history of Christianity. Now, who was the pastor of Antioch? Who was the lead pastor? Who, who, who was the, the, the pastor team there? Anyway, guesses? We don't know. We don't know. It just says in verse 20, but there were some of them men of Cyprus and so on, some of them. One of the most influential churches in the history of Christianity was started and led by unnamed some of them. The church that sent Paul out as a church planting pastor was started by people that were so insignificant in the culture around them that their names weren't even listed in Acts 11. They were just everyday men and women who were faithful to take the name of Jesus with them. And when people trusted Christ, they started a church and the power of God built one of the most influential churches in the history of Christianity. Just 
just some of them who wanted to be faithful to what Jesus told them to do. I just hope we can be some of them. That in the history of Christianity, we're just some of them who started the church in Austin and God decided that because we'd be faithful to what he called us to do, he would build this church that would reach many people. But I just love that it's just, it's just some of them. But it didn't start with them too, right? In Acts chapter 2, if you go back, you see the first church starting. In Acts chapter 2, right, where they devoted themselves in verse 42 to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders. So you see in Acts 2, this first church, the very first Christian church started. It involved people like James and John and Peter and Andrew, Matthew and Thomas. In addition, some of them who would then later go and start this church in Antioch that would send Paul to start this church in Philippi that would then give us a book called Philippians that we read together today. And so we see that first church starting by some of these these famous names like Matthew and and Peter and James. But what I love about them is they're they're not that fancy either. Matthew was a tax collector. He, He was hated by the Jews. He betrayed them and he stole from people in order to make himself rich. Thomas, the doubter, right? Jesus has risen from the dead and Thomas is looking at him. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. You got Peter and you got James and John and Andrew. They were fishermen. What that meant that they were fishermen is that they failed out of school and so they went back home to take up the trade of their father. So you've got all these people who who according to their pedigree, eh, you know, not that great. Like, not, yeah, not, not probably the people you're like, give me that one over there. Like, they're going to run my organization. So what was so significant about these people? What was so significant? And here's what I think is, is the key. For, for Peter and James and John and Andrew and Paul and Lydia and, and the jailer and his family, and I pray for us, Luke chapter 5, when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. That they saw this value in Jesus, that they were willing to leave everything behind and give their lives to him. To devote their lives to him. Now what's, what's interesting is that these guys were still fishermen. You see later in the New Testament, like they still went and fished. But they, they submitted everything to Jesus. Yet they found life in him and they followed him. They were sold out to doing whatever Jesus said. So what makes Jesus so incredible? Like why would these people, eventually the vast majority of them, except John, be killed for their faith in Jesus? Why would they endure such persecution and hardship? Why would they go through all of this for Jesus? And it's because we find life in Jesus. The answer to what we are all looking for today, to what they were looking for, is found in Jesus. So we are all looking to to grab hold of the fullness of life. Show of hands, how many of you would really like to go through life and just be like, yeah, you know, that was kind of some, it was so-so. No, we all want to get down into life and be like, I made the most of that. Like I had some ups and some downs, but I can say, like I grabbed hold of the most of what life was. That is what we desire in our souls. And Psalm 1611 says the the fullness of joy is found in his presence. That he makes known to us the path of life. 
right? So, so everything we're looking for according to the Bible is found in the presence of God. That's what you get in the very beginning in Genesis 1 and 2. God creates everything and he creates Adam and Eve and they're walking with him. They have a relationship with him. There's no separation between them and God. That is what I believe we're all looking for is the fullness of joy, the fullness of pleasure. And if you would say otherwise, I would probably challenge you. I just think that's our souls. We're created to look for purpose and meaning and happiness. And the answer is in the presence of God. So how, what's wrong? Like, why are we looking for more? Why are we unsatisfied today? Would any of you, we all want the fullness of life. We all want the abundance of joy. Would anybody say they fully arrived there? Because if you have, then I've got a lot to learn from you. No, we're all dissatisfied. Guarantee you, we all walked in here with some level of disappointments, some level of frustration, some level of discouragement, because we haven't arrived there. We haven't fully grabbed hold of the fullness of joy, the presence of God. Something is off. Something is broken. We see that in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve, they take their eyes off of God, and this is where sin always comes from. We take our eyes off of God, and we start looking at the things around us, and we think, I know God said this, but I really want to go after that. This seems to make sense to me. I'm going to trust my own gut. I'm going to go after my own way. And when we do that, the Bible calls that sin, and it breaks our relationship. Gosh, this fly is like, it breaks that relationship with God. I'm sorry, it was just right in my face. I didn't know what to do with it. Seriously. So how do we, it totally threw me off. Dang, fly. Mike, can you get this fly? Can you help me here? Dang. Let's refocus. <laughs> okay, if it lands, I can get it, but it's got to land. We're all looking for the fullness of life. Every single one of us, every person you know on this planet, every person in Austin, every one of your family members, every one of your neighbors, every one of your coworkers, every single person in this city and the world is looking for the fullness of life. Yet we know something's off. And that's sin. That's that we have walked away from the fullness of life. God himself. Jesus is our answer who came to fix what we broke. Jesus came to restore us back into a relationship with God. In John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is an enemy right now that wants to destroy your life and wants to forever keep you from the presence of God. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. His purpose, the reason Jesus came, was to bring you back into the abundant life that God desires for you. That is the reason Jesus came, and that is why they devoted their lives to him. Because Jesus, in his perfect life and on the death, in the death on the cross, removed our sins, that which keeps us separated from God. He removed that, and when we trust Jesus because of his resurrection, he brings us back into a relationship with God. He brings us back into a relationship of abundant life. And it's not perfect because we still live in a broken world and broken bodies with sinful natures, but one day it's going to be, and today we get to live in an ever-increasing abundance with him. He's not holding out on us. There's, there's an infinite amount of abundance that we can have with God and in a relationship with him and following in his will. And Jesus is the only answer that gives us that. And so that is why these people gave their lives to Jesus, because in Jesus they found life. 
That is why everything in the Bible centers around Christ. That is their purpose, is to, to know Jesus and to make him known. And so why are we here as a church? Just to join him in that journey, to know Jesus and to make him known. We stand on the shoulders of these men and women who in faith followed after Christ and gave their lives. We stand on their shoulders. And now it's our turn to know Christ and to make him known to the world. And so our purpose as a church is simply that, to lead people to life in Jesus. That, that, is, that, that is step one to step ten to every day that the Lord allows us to be as a church. That is our desire, is to lead people to life in Jesus, to know Christ and to grow in that relationship and to make him known to the world around us. That is why we exist. And so if you're a part of this church, you're, you might want to be, that is our purpose. That is our end goal. It is to walk with people in relationships that we would know Jesus in the fullness of life that is found in him and make him known to the world. No, I think sometimes we think about that and we think, is that, is that leading people who don't know Jesus into a relationship with Christ? Or is that walking with people who do know Christ into a deeper relationship with Christ? And we would say both. We say that leading people to life in Jesus goes from one end to the other end. So whether you're far from God or you know someone who's far from God or is hostile to God, our hope is to walk with them, that they would come to know and to trust Jesus. And maybe you're, you're young in your faith, you've barely trusted Christ. Our hope is that we can walk with you to know and to trust Jesus. And if you've been a Christian from like day one, you know, like you were born and boom, you're following Jesus. You're the second John the Baptist who had the spirit of God from the, your mom's womb even. Like you're just, you're in. But, but the truth and the amazing reality of who God is is that we will never max out. We will never hit the ceiling of knowing God. There's an infinite amount of abundance that we can have with God. And so it's really, we're all in the same, we're all the same spot. God is so great and there's so much to know of him. We all have so much room to grow. And so it doesn't matter where you are in your faith right here today. Our hope as a church and as one family is to walk with one another to lead people to life in Jesus, to know him more and to make him known. That is the end goal. Our purpose is not, it's not to start groups. It's not to, to have amazing preaching or music. It's not to have amazing service projects. Our purpose is not even so much to start a church. Our purpose is to lead people to life in Jesus. All of that will follow. You lead people to Christ and a church will follow. You lead people to Christ and worship will follow. You lead people to Christ and service will follow. And, and so anytime we start to put these other things, worship services, like that's what we're all about, that becomes an idol. Anytime we think, man, service, like serving our city, that's what it's all about. Well, that becomes an idol. Jesus is the only one worth worshiping and everything else follows him. And so we are here for that one purpose, to lead people to life in Jesus, to know him and to make him known. And so that's the question we're always asking. Does this help lead people to life in Jesus? If no, get rid of it. We don't need to do it. No point in it. If yes, then we can start talking. All right, then, then let's talk about how we do that. Question. Say that. Let's catch up after service. You're good. No, great question. Oh, yeah, those are mine. They're all right. 
I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So we're here for that one purpose, to lead people to life in Jesus. From, from today for the rest of however long God gives us to be here, that's what we want to be about. So how do we do that? Protect the kids. The next generation is important, Psalm 145. So how, how do we do that? Right, hey, let's catch up after service. Can we do that? Okay. So here's what we believe God has called us to do. We believe that God has called us as a church, and if this is the church that you're a part of, and he's called each of you individually to be a part of this as well. And it's five things. To abide, to invite, to share, to build, and to send. The first thing we have to do is abide in Christ. John 15, 4 and 5 says, apart from him, we can do nothing. We have to find our, our energy and our, our, our comfort, our source of life in Jesus. And so just because we trust Christ doesn't mean we don't continue to grow in Christ. It's like, it's like a branch on a tree. You've got to be connected to the tree in order to have the strength to continue to grow and to thrive and to flourish. So we have to abide in Christ. And so as a church, we want to center around the word and around prayer and, and connecting our lives to Jesus. But as an individual, we've got to ask the question, am I abiding in Christ? Do, do you spend time reading in the Bible and praying? Our ceiling is really low if we're not abiding in Christ. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And so we've got to abide in Christ. That's step one. The, the next thing we have to do is we've got to invite people into our lives. We've got to invite new people into our lives. Right? We see that with, with Jesus in Luke 5. He, he calls Levi, and then Levi throws a party with all of his tax collector friends, and then so Jesus goes to the party to build new relationships. So we've got to be inviting people into our lives. As a church, we want to have an open seat culture. Anyone and everyone is welcome to come and have a seat. And we're going to, we want to point people to Jesus in that. We want to create opportunities, and we want to throw parties. We want to have times where we can invite neighbors in. But then you, we've got to ask the question individually, am I inviting people into my life? Am I getting out of my comfort zone to meet my neighbors and coworkers and people that I work out at the gym with? And, and am I inviting people into my life? And then we've got to share the gospel with our lives and with our words. We've got to demonstrate the good news of Jesus, and we've got to open our mouth and tell people how they can trust Christ. And so we will always preach the gospel in every sermon we, we have here because that's the only way to know Jesus is through the gospel. And so we've got to share it. So I have to ask the question, am I sharing the gospel with people? I think a lot of times we'll, we'll have people in our lives, but then we'll never just speak up and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? And Romans 10 says, how will people hear unless someone tells them? And so we've got to share the gospel and then Ephesians says we've got to build one another up in faith. That you and I are responsible for one another. And that we, we build one another up to know Christ and, and to walk in obedience to him. And so that's what community groups are for and discipleship groups. And that's what this is for, is to build one another up. Are you building, are you building others up? Are you actively participating in worship and in community group and discipleship group? Because we have a responsibility to build one another up. And then we've got to send each other out to love and good works. That's what Hebrews 10 says. We've got to stir one another up to walk in obedience. We've got to challenge one another to take the next step of obedience. Are you in a relationship with people where you're challenging them 
to grow in their faith and to take that next step of obedience. And everything we're doing here is to lead people to life in Jesus. That is our purpose. And we're going to mess up and we're going to disappoint you and we're going to get things wrong and, and that's life. Everywhere does. We'll try to be honest and upfront about it. But that is what we want to do. It's for you to know Christ and to make him known. And we all play a part in that. We abide in Christ. We invite people in. We share the gospel. We build others up. And we send each other out to go and to serve in love and good works. And so if this is your church, that's what we're doing. And if it's not, that's the invitation. Come and know Jesus and make him known with us. And so I hope that whether it's this church or somewhere else, that God gives you a church home that, that you can be a part of and that you can invest in and, and, and not, not be a passive consumer, be a, but be an active contributor to the kingdom of God, expanding to all people in all places. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.